What ho, podcast pals, and a warm Wednesday welcome to Discontent Provider. Clearly, when I say warm, I'm speaking figuratively, December is certainly letting us have it now, which is why I'll be endeavouring to keep things on the briefest side for this midweek more so. For one thing, young Arkham here prefers to keep moving when it's cold, and because the lad has some frankly rather outdated and unreconstructed attitudes about machismo, there's no way he'll submit to being coated even in sub-zero temperatures. I don't like to keep him hanging about for too long. We have tried, I might add, the celestially lovely Mrs Foxy made him a beautiful coat, one moreover upon which he even embroidered his name in exquisite stitching, but he simply wouldn't have it. The world's greatest lurcher, it seems, don't wear no candy-ass coat, and would rather shiver than have other dogs giving him the old side-eye and making, you know, unwanted assumptions. And with that in mind, this fascinating peep behind the curtains of our shared creative process will have to stand in for the usual more formulaic greeting. But feel free to come up with your own if you miss it. In all honesty, it's not difficult. Boiling down as it does to discontent provider, the podcast that, something, 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 a bunch of cunts. For it is, and why wouldn't it be, about yet another cunt we'll be speaking today. Well, two of them actually, or possibly three. Come to think of it, the whole sorry venal tale is swamped by unmitigated cuntery, with any number of players, significant and trivial, doing their best rendition of what the French, with their remarkable gift for le mot juste, are pleased to call la gazelle maudite. But we're really only interested in a particular duo right now, and are attempting to see if a third party qualifies for the role. It's one of those instances, cats and kittens, whereby the story that has been riding high in our various news feeds is, at least as far as this exercise in futility and verbal extravagance is concerned, of less interest than the public's reaction to it. To, uh, to bring to a timely end the unendurable suspense, I'm talking today about the recent interview twixt the BBC's Laura Koonsberg, Doug Barrowman and Michelle Moan, a lady whom I shall not dignify with the title of Baroness, mostly because I have little to no time for such asinine ermine-wrapped fuck stumpery, but also because I, as I'm sure you do, podcast pals, feel that there is only one Baroness, and that's the uh, rather comely bespectacled Patty Hurst-inspired baddie out of G.I. Joe, or Action Force, to give it its UK title. Of course, we all know the background. Mr. Barrowman, Michelle Moan's husband, together with a consortium, a word that only ever means super terrific, happy, good time, utterly legal and totally scrupulous undertaking by public-spirited borderline saints, set up a company, PPE MedPro, on May the 12th, 2020, according to the government's website, with an eye towards providing our struggling care and NHS sectors with masks, gowns, rubber gloves and similar virus-baffling paraphernalia. Less than a month after its inception, it appears that this company received its first contract, a trifling 81 million quid, to provide 210 million face masks, and from then on it went from strength to strength. Much of this strength to strengthening was, it is generally accepted, due to Mr. Barrowman's wife, Ms. Moan, being in the House of Lords and having personal contacts within the higher echelons of government that allowed her to bulldoze the interests of PPA MedPro straight onto the procurement fast track known as the VIP lane, which sounds frightfully dynamic and proactive, do it not? And 
and here's the rub, so much less sticky, shady and ripe to bursting with the rich putrescence of pure corruption than the phrase a cosy cabal of cronies gloating over a colossal exercise in profiteering during a national crisis that Private Walker off of Dad's army would have found unspeakably tatty and distasteful. Claims have since emerged that PPA MedPro were knocking out worthless dreck that was about as effective as stitched together bin bags and bunches of lucky heather, and as I understand it, both parliamentary authorities and the National Crime Agency are now giving the matter the benefit of their attention. But of course, you know all that, so let's get to the meat. What caught my attention was, as I say, the reaction to Sunday's interview. Those with an axe to grind against the BBC, because they tend towards the uh, views of the right, were terribly sententious and full of concerns about the niceties of due process being observed and how Ms. Koonsberg meddling might compromise a legitimate investigation into high-level criminality. You know, in just the same way that they are always acting when the letter of the law is not strictly adhered to, when uh, a case emerges about, uh, I don't know, questionable stop-and-search procedures being carried out by the old bill against members of ethnic minorities, or when somebody who isn't a multi-millionaire dies in police custody. Very vigilant about that sort of thing they are on the right. For those on the left, the Tate uh, Tate Tate was equally offensive. A known Tory given an easy ride to a former Tory and her gorgeous pouting boy toy at the behest of a BBC board stuffed with Tory shills. They pretty much took the view that the whole affair was so gentle and copacetic that it was only about a half bottle of Buckfast all round from becoming a no-holds-barred Scottish threesome. I'm bound to say that I thought the estimable bull Miss Kay did a pretty fair job of her interview, you know. She didn't exactly rant and rave at Monan Barrowman, but at the same time she insisted upon her points, albeit often with the moderating phrases like, uh, to many people it might look as though, rather than direct accusations. Then again, what would her critics have her do? Should she have simpered and nodded at Moan's obvious nonsense and bullshit to deflect criticism that she is a radical Trotskyite hell-bent upon destroying the Conservative Party? Or should she have screamed at the dingy pair of chancers and called them shitfuckers to prove that she isn't a one-sided Tory mouthpiece? No fun intended, although it clearly was. There is, so far as I can ascertain, no record of Miss Koonsberg belonging to any political party, although it seems that she has been provided with a bodyguard while covering both Labour and Conservative Party conferences, which would seem to indicate that she is reviled by the less restrained fruitcake elements of both ends of the political spectrum. Indeed, so far as I've been able to tell, the only real evidence for her being a Tory is that she was once invited to speak at a fringe event during a, a Conservative Party conference, an invitation she declined, incidentally. And given that the uh, Tories are as prone to internal squabbles and factionalism as any political organisation whose roster can't be accommodated in a non-dimensionally transcendental telephone box, I can't honestly say that I see that as concrete evidence that she is aligned with the party in any meaningful way. My gosh and goody gumdrops, Nick Robinson of Radio 4's Today programme is also described as a Tory by many people, and look at the scathing assessment he made of the ghastly but gorgeous Suella Braverman recently. Ah, just because someone's a Tory doesn't mean they have to like or agree with other Tories, and it seems most don't. It is obvious, human nature being what it is, that everyone has their own values, their own philosophy and their own beliefs. 
Yet at the same time, these biases can be overcome with a little restraint, a little adult thinking, if one actually wants to do the work necessary. I mean to say, cats and kittens, I only do the talking here on an obscure podcast, but I've done episodes and written songs on the subject of how, on occasion, objective truth can stymie a line of argument or inquiry, and if one has any pretensions towards objectivity or big picture thinking, that simply must be taken into account if one is to be in any way credible, even to the humble extent we hope to be. The trouble is, many people seem to have forgotten that. Thus, anything other than the most vituperative condemnation or the most slavish obedience to a perceived narrative is seen as an unpardonable lack of objectivity by those froth-mouthed idiots who can't frame any sort of discussion in terms of anything other than the most beastly and crude Twitter fight. I'm not a centrist by any means, and I do rather share the contempt that many hold for those who are. Were you to put a gun to my head, and with Christmas fast approaching, I rather wish somebody would, I'd say that they're mostly intellectual cowards who want a quiet life. But at the same time, I have no time for dogmatic, broad brush thinking. It accomplishes nothing. And we're seeing the ultimate consequences of such unreasoning reasoning in the Middle East every fucking day. Best to avoid that path on the whole, they eh, want. Speaking of Christmas, I'm toying with the idea of doing a live podcast on Christmas Day. A sort of immediate and possibly half-cut response to the King's speech. Let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. Uh, if we get enough nods, I'll go for it. Otherwise, we'll stick to our usual, admittedly somewhat irregular schedule. After all, hard though it may be to believe, both Arkham and myself do have lives outside of this podcast, you know. While you mull that over, we'll be off. So until Friday, when we'll return with song and spite, cheerio. Cheerio.